Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant Podcast. Today on the podcast, Sean and I have a discussion about his sermon that he preached on Halloween, which was about fear in the lies of Satan kind of as they manifest in Halloween. And uh, Sean and I have a great conversation about practical ways that we can speak against the lies of Satan, ways that we see Satan's lies uh, play into our lives and, and just things like that. So it's a really good, intense, vulnerable conversation. We get a little nerdy. We get a little open. We have a lot of fun. We laugh a lot. So if this sounds like something you're interested in, keep listening. Uh, and we are so thankful that everybody listens and, 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 you know, it's the season of Thanksgiving. So I just want to say I'm thankful for everybody who listens and enjoys the podcast. And again, say it all the time, but we have some really, really fun stuff coming and we hope that you listen, subscribe, like it, all that stuff. Thank you. And we will see you next week and every single week after that. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant Podcast. Good to be here with you all. Hope you're enjoying your Veterans Day. Today's Veterans Day. This drops on Veterans Day. Man, have a great day off, everybody. I'm excited. Yeah. You're going to just wake up. It's going to feel like a Thursday. And you think to yourself, why do I have Thursday off? I'm going to come into the office. I'm going to write a sermon. You're going to be the only one in here. I will be. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you have the day off, text Sean and just say, I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm with you while you're writing that yeah. sermon. I'm sure he'd love that. It's not bad. I like writing sermons. This is going to be a really good day. Do you like writing sermons alone or do you like the, the vibrancy of a full office? I like the vibrancy of a full office during the studying portion of it. But when it comes to the writing, please don't, please leave me alone. I'm truly the opposite. Yeah. I am, I am less and less interruptible as the week goes on. Monday, yes. Tuesday, Wednesday, you yes. want to walk in my office and talk? Yes. Come on in. Thursday. Don't there's like a tax strip down, like a police, like don't come in here. It's yeah, please leave was, me alone. I was wondering why there's a cop in here every Thursday. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. good to know that. Yeah. That's why you hire a, a literal police officer. Because I need to write a sermon. Yeah, and it's weird because they're from Downey. It's Downey Police Department. I'm like, why don't you just hire LAPD or like Torrance or something? I don't know why. Do you have a connection there? This is such a good bit. <laughs> I'm just I'm just working on my improv. I need yeah. you to yes and my uh, cop bit. That, we could have done ten minutes on that. Oh man. Yeah. Speaking of uh, not, uh, apropos of nothing, um, you preached a sermon a couple weeks ago that we're circling back to a little bit off in the calendar. But that's what 2021 is. You know, what, what is time? What is anything? Um, we, we did a sermon, a service on Halloween, which I, that last time was what, seven years ago. You said that yeah, happened. Yeah. Do you remember what that was like seven years ago? No, but I know like we've run into, um, when Garrick and I have run evening services in the past, you run into Super Bowl Sunday, yeah. you run into New Year's Eve, you run into Cinco de Mayo. Like what's a New Year's Eve service like? Dude. You so, don't do one, right? No, we've, so here's like, here's the deal. Like when we were back at Rolling Hills for Byron, there was nothing more important than the preaching the word. Mm -hmm. Somebody might show up on that Sunday evening in desperate need and the life is in crisis. And in that moment, you have the privilege of preaching to them the gospel. And it is more important than any other event that is happening. And that one person matters so much to God that an entire service is worth it, even if they are the only person who shows up. And so it didn't matter if we were 70, 80% smaller than usual. Mm -hmm. We did a service regardless of the holiday, regardless of... Uh, how much we might be impacted by what was happening. We did it to be faithful to the gospel. And that was that was good, but we ran some very, very, very small services. 
There's nothing wrong with that mentality, obviously. No. But there's like a practicality element. And I, I know we didn't get into this in kind of the notes, but I'm asking now kind of on behalf of p- people who are listening and maybe thinking of this, like what is the level of practicality that you have to lean into for preaching and making a service? And what is the level of just like, this isn't going to happen? I th- and specifically Halloween is the question, like practicality, volunteers, worship, sermon, childcare. Yeah. Added on trunk or treat. Yeah. Is it even worth it at that point? Yeah. I think for us as being a, a church that's just getting started, um, and we only meet in the evenings. That became like, if we don't meet, then there's nothing that's happening for the weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Where I think at Rolling Hills Covenant, dude, we had like four or five services on a weekend. You could mm-hmm. pick a time other than the evening. So for us, it felt more important, and we thought about it a little bit differently than we had in the past. But we definitely looked at each other and asked the question, are there going to be more people on stage than in the congregation? There wasn't. No. Halloween was really well attended. It was really good, yeah. And it, it all led into the trunk or treat, which yeah. was so fun. And and I think we could do a whole episode on just how great that was. 100% congregant-led, yes. thanks to the Higas, thanks to the Varhees. Man, that was so fun to see. And it just, uh, it was one of those moments where I think I fell a little bit more in love with Coastline that night. Just uh, seeing it and being so in awe of what God's kind of doing in and amongst and, and through us. It was a real blessing. It was a funny one. When you get people really going for it, I, mm-hmm. I think of the McKenzie's car, yeah. absolutely out of control. And uh, then the Austin's and the pizza. The Austin's and the pizza. Uh, Jesse had, with the mustache. Jesse with the mustache. You had uh, Garrick's dad with mm-hmm. the mask on, yeah. like horrific mask. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, the, the top of the mountain here is Nani. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered if we we're gonna mention it. Nani sitting in church covered in blood. So what I, I when Nani showed up. So if you didn't see Nani, she dressed as Carrie uh, from the Stephen King movie, like just uh, a prom dress covered in blood. Like I like identical. Yeah. So what I told her was, hey, when I start preaching, I need you to come out from backstage and just slowly walk towards me. I'm never gonna turn around and see you. Yeah. But let's just prank just, the whole church. I was talking to a family that did another thing on Halloween, so they didn't end up joining us. Their family who comes to our church and they were like, Oh, we saw Trunk and Treat, it looked great. We we missed it. But they just don't take their faith that seriously. They don't take their faith that seriously. Yeah. Uh anyway. It was your parents actually just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, it was another family. And they were like, What were some of the costumes? And I told them about Nani's carry. And I I, I just I just can't forget their faces. Like it was a mix of like shock, excitement, and like I love my church. Yeah, it's like, one of this those. Is great. And Nani, what's up? I hope you're enjoying getting this. Not listening shut to up. this, but here, it was honestly you. one of those moments where you're like, "Oh, so we're not in Kansas anymore." No, you're like things that never would have happened in our last context are happening here, and being okay with that yes. and loving that. Yeah. Loving that. And that's actually a really great segue into kind of this the Halloween sermon you were talking mm-hmm. about. You know, you you made a whole intro kind of based on our fears mm-hmm. surrounding Halloween. And Halloween serves as an archetype here. Mm-hmm. Christians have a lot of fears about a lot of things that I think culture or the world mm-hmm. puts in front of us. Halloween is is a, a really, really, really poignant one because of like the darkness and, and the fear mm-hmm. and stuff. But for you, you know, thinking about a sermon, what, what was your, your impetus heading into a sermon? Like, what did you want to preach on Halloween? Yeah. I mean, and that was one of the things I was talking with Garrick about it. I was like, okay, I've got a couple different options. I can do the raising of the dead of Lazarus. I could do the Legion, the man possessed by demons. I can do, like, I was just balancing ideas. Kind of two on the nose. Of the him, one. right? Like, yeah. what do you, what do you preach on Halloween? You're trying to find it. Um, and Garrick was wise to steer me away from all of that. And I ended up settling on that John passage of uh, God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. Mm-hmm. And what a real comfort that is for 
for what can be a, a, a dark evening, you know, it Halloween can be fun, but it can get, you know, it can cross some lines, I think, pretty easily. Right. Um, and that makes us nervous about how do you interact with something that really embraces the dark. And I thought that reassurance that in God is light, in him there's no darkness at all, is incredibly comforting and more importantly, reorienting to ourselves about how we interact with Halloween and how we actually address our fears in general. Mm-hmm. What were some of your concerns heading into that sermon, preaching that message? Well, I I knew it was going to be a shorter message, right? So I knew it was going to be 20, 25 minutes. So usually a typical sermon is about 35. So you're getting significantly shorter. So you have to be very focused. And I was worried that I was going to poke the bear, right? That mm-hmm. I was going to agitate without ever being able to answer. Mm-hmm that I was going to be able to, in a sense, um, poke holes in some of the ways that we allow our fears to control us, but never really be able to answer it with confidence. So mm-hmm. that was, those are my fears. I, I thought like, if I'm going to talk about Harry Potter, there's people who've been very upset about Harry Potter for a long time. Am I going to be able to challenge that thinking and be able to provide them a, a better direction, a better hope, a greater confidence in Jesus? Or am I just going to upset people? That was a concern for sure. Yeah. And what kind of feedback did you get? Uh, you know, this is what's interesting. I don't think I've ever had so much feedback after a sermon as that one, that 20, 25 minute sermon. I've never had so many people come up afterwards who immediately needed to talk or wanted to talk to process. Um, Were they processing more of the things you were saying of like specifically like, cause you'd mentioned like razor blades or Harry Potter. You mentioned other things like satanic panic. Yeah. Things that are, are kind of real but not yeah so were people trying to process that like hey i've I've had these fears or are people processing the thing beneath the thing yeah well like it, it was both part of it is storytelling right yeah so like i had a, a fantastic conversation with michelle and chad where they said like one of the things i shared was when i was a kid my parents had to inspect my candy looking for razor blades because they believed that razor blades were going to be in the yeah. candy because somebody wanted to harm kids well michelle told a story that they actually, um, at, at a local hospital where they grew up, which was here, I think, actually, um, they would x-ray your candy for you to make sure. Like, So part of it's storytelling, right? Like, mm-hmm. We have these stories of growing up that are just crazy, and so part of it's sharing stories. Uh, another part is worry from, yeah. from people who have adult kids going, I set very strict restrictions over my kids, uh, over how they experienced Halloween. Did I screw them up? And another part, um, one just wanted to talk about the implications mm-hmm. of what I'm saying um, about the bigger spiritual world and about how we think about is the world really getting worse and mm-hmm. worse on us or not. So it was it was a fascinating evening. Um, I think the the sermon agitated. I hope it helped, uh, but it got people thinking for sure. Uh, I want to go back to the thing about the world getting worse in a second, but did your parents talk to you afterwards? Because you were a lot yeah. of this was personal. And I, yeah. I was in your parents were there. I was sat behind them. Yeah. And I didn't, kind, of, kind of coincidentally did. And I was watching them watch you. And I'm yeah. interested. Did you talk to them? So most of the time when I tell stories about my, my childhood, my parents don't remember any of the stories I'm telling. That's the first thing they're like, we don't remember that happening at all. They but, have to remember this. But my mom said that the reason why we had to look for razor blades was so that she could get the milk duds. I was going to say that. That was, that was gonna, It was a tax. Like they wanted mm-hmm. the, a, a particular type of candy. That was that it. You wanted as well. And they had to say something about it. But they could blades. have asked, I mean, to make me believe no, that there's no. razor blades in the there's candy. There's nothing that an eight-year-old's little fingers will clutch harder than their Halloween candy. But man, if you tell me there's razor blades in it, I'll just give it right to you, mom. They're, they're easy mm-hmm. to pick out. You know, 
I think they're worth really, it. Really, when you think therapy is $175 an hour and a box of mid milk duds is two bucks, I just don't know if the economics or the math really kind of lend itself so to that. So what I'm hearing you say is that <laughs> this sermon was rooted in your therapy, your therapeutic journey? Uh, all of my <laughs> sermons are, right? All of them. It's a whole other podcast. How much of myself am I putting in this that's sermon? Good. That's, a good, that's a good thing. I, th- I think people would really want to hear about that. Yeah. <laughs> so so people were positive. People liked it. Um, but like I said, there was a thing beneath the thing. The world's getting worse. Mm-hmm. You know, things, are, things are darker than ever. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of fear that we have. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking today in the office, you and Nikki and I, about people's fears surrounding the vaccine and COVID and mask mandates and things like that. And so would you say that your sermon was mostly about fear? Certainly. Yeah. And I think that's my biggest concern for the church, like in Christians in general, it's just how easy we give in to fear mm-hmm. um, in all places. And, and, and this was a thought that I had with you today, how easily we believe that our fear is rational. Right. We believe that our fears are, um, we don't doubt them. We believe that if we're afraid of something, then it certainly is real and true and we can't be shaken of it, mm-hmm. of that. Um, and I think if, if we're a little more honest, if we, if we talk about our fears, if we were ever to tell them out loud, we would automatically hear how silly they are. Um, not silly, sometimes silly, but maybe not necessarily grounded in reality. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can stay up at night and churn in my mind through scenarios and what oh, yeah. ifs and yeah, yeah. could this happen? And yet if I simply were to say them out loud to Melinda in the morning, she would say, that's never going to happen. Yeah. And in that moment, I'm suddenly grounded, right? Mm-hmm. But our fear, we believe it's real. Um, and in the words of Timothy Chalamet, it's, it truly is the mind killer. He doesn't say that in the movie. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fear is the mind killer. That's a great, that's a great thing. And I think that that's a concern that I see from us for our people. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some big fears right now that you would like name? And, and again, I, I want to be so clear to listeners, to you, to myself, like not naming them as bad or wrong or not grounded in reality, but like, what are some fears that are common in the church right now that you sense? Well, I do think that we, we have been told um, and we've believed that the world is, is bad and getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really only a matter of time before the government comes and puts a chip in your forehead and suddenly you have to use that to buy and sell goods. And we've been told yeah. the government is going to turn on you at some point. And so I think that sets us up for a lot of unhealthy fears that we are seeing present today. I think our eschatology has shaped our present in ways um, that we're not fully aware of. Yeah. Um, and so we fear that the world is getting worse and worse. But I think... That is a more complicated. Um, there's a more complicated answer to that than I think we're really willing to mm. acknowledge or think about. And what what is the complicated answer? Well, I, I think if you were to talk, it's so contextual, right? Um, if you were to talk to somebody who, um, let's say, was in Kandahar, um, Afghanistan in the 1970s, compared the 1970s, the Kandahar was like. Incredible. Afghanistan in the 70s was cosmopolitan. Right, now, right, right. under the influence of the Taliban, awful. Is it getting worse? Certainly over there. But if you're talking to somebody who grew up in 1960s Germany, you know, 1950s Germany, and you talk about now, no, it's gotten so much better. My yeah. goodness. And so your perspective on that depends on your geography, your point of view, your ethnicity, your economics, your gender, so many different things. When we talk about is the world getting worse, what I think we mean in the church is that the Christian grounding um, of America is slipping away from us. Mm. And I think that's what that people are are worried about and they're saying, but that's a, a different conversation than the world's getting worse. Is that something that we should be afraid of? 
Um, I think that we um, always need to be aware that that renewal is needed in our hearts and in the church, in our country. Yes, absolutely. But I do think sometimes we have a picture of America that's a little bit detached from reality. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's it's a complicated story as well. And that's yeah. not to, again, I am the least political person that I know, but um, I'm hesitant about looking backwards through rose colored glasses at any time and right. thinking it was right. great then and it's not now. Yeah. And that's true of the church. I mean, go backwards in history. And if you try to imagine that the church was better one day. Just go read about the churches in in the New Testament and see how messy they could be at times. I think our world now is as messy as it's ever been, full of both incredible darkness brought out by the sin of humankind and also experiencing the coming kingdom in renewing ways that is healing. And we, we just live in the back and forth of both of those things more than we're really willing to, or that we've ever really thought through sometimes. So you're saying that this is not an un familiar thing for the gospel. No, absolutely not. You know, I, I know like I'm deeply grieved uh, by the the state of uh, abortion in our country. Like I, I am. Like it pains me to no end. Um, and yet I also know that like, if you go read in the book of Ephesians, like in the city of Ephesus, there was an absolute culture of child abandonment that existed of people who didn't want to raise their kids. You'd give birth to this child, you'd put him out on the street corner and they would die by natural exposure or they'd be taken and sold into slavery. Mm. And so abortion didn't exist then, but abandonment and, and essentially giving your children up to the point of death was something that did exist. And so grieve abortion, yes, but realize that these the seeds of abortion have existed here in in, in the world for a, a long time. You know, we worry about gender, you know, gender changing in our country and gender, the perception of it. But if you go back in the book of Corinthians, when he's... He's talking, I don't have the reference right in front of me. I think it's it's not quite 10, but it's over the issue about men having long hair. The, the whole issue there is the Dionysian cult where men were dressing up like women because Dionysius was, uh, was uh, kind of a, a more female representation. And so long hair to look like a woman. So these things... Um, We'll say things like, this has never happened before where right. we've gotten detached from gender. It's the most basic thing about us. And yet it's just not true. Mm. This has happened before. Um, and it just hasn't happened here and now. And so what I, the encouragement I always want is, yeah, we might be experiencing a, a momentary darkness, but the gospel has existed and thrived through so much of this. And I think that what is what I want, you know, the point of the sermon was, I want our hearts to be light with light. Not that we would be overwhelmed with the darkness in the world. I mean, that's the other option, right? That our hearts would be darkened with hope due to the darkness around us. What what Scripture constantly calls us to is to have this overflowing joy in the Lord that comes from the confidence of what He's done. Yeah. And I just worry that that's slipping away for us, mm-hmm. based on whatever political affiliation you have or whatever you think is at risk, that your joy and your witness would be lost um, because you've um, come to believe that that the gospel is somehow at risk. Something's about to change. Yeah, that's that's a good word. And I'm wondering, what are some practical ways you can reclaim your joy and your witness as, as a Christian in 2021 in particular? Yeah. So I, I was talking about this with Melinda um, today. and your she wife. Re- she Yeah, she's great. <laughs> she uh, turned me on to a uh, uh, conversation with John Mark Comer, mm-hmm. who's dude, just we a great pastor up in Portland now. I think Not he's anymore. a writer. Yeah, yeah. he's a writer. Um, not anymore. I said that like he was like got canceled. No, he's he not canceled. Resigned. He is he is excellent. Um, 
and uh, he, he was just talking about how um, how how Satan's primary tool in our lives is still is just lies. Yeah, it, it's lies. It's we fear. Like I grew up, Hunter. Like I grew up being told, like if you listen to heavy metal, there's subliminal messages in it which will influence you satanically mm-hmm. to and give Satan control over your life. Like don't do things like Bloody Mary or touch Ouija right, boards because right. they open up a door to the spiritual world and you could be influenced and damaged. Like that's where I I lived with this fear growing up that the satanic forces were active and could actually harm me. Where I think what's truer to scripture is that Satan is a liar and he is always lying to us. Uh, John 8 says that he is the father of lies. When he lies, he speaks his native language, mm-hmm. it says. And I think more than Satan trying to exert power in our, your life, he is trying to speak a lie to you constantly and to get you to believe it. I think that's what we're far more at risk of than, than anything else. So then how do you reclaim your joy and witness? Like, what, what do you do to fight against those yeah. things? So Comer says two things, right? Yeah. He says, number one, we have to learn how to speak the truth of Scripture to each lie that Satan tells yeah, us. That's good. Um, and his reference was to go back to the temptation of Jesus, mm-hmm. that this is not... Uh, Comer says, this is not some battle of like infinity stones and Thanos and punches and battle axes and all these. It's not this big, it's a quiet conversation between Satan and Jesus over a lie. That there is a way to avoid the cross, that there is a way to power, that there is a way to pleasure um, that could be happened. And Jesus refutes him, coming back to scripture again. And so it is to, number one, when you feel like Satan is speaking a lie to you, it is to speak against it with the word of scripture, yeah. mentally, internally. And he does a lot on this. And I think the other part is to speak out those fears out loud to somebody else mm. um, and allow them to hear your fears, your concerns, or the lies that you've heard. And um, and then allow them to speak the, the truth into it. When you said that, it reminded me, and this is such a nerdy thing. Have you ever seen that Ingmar Bergman movie, uh, The Seventh Seal? No. Where the knight plays chess against Satan? No. It's an old like Swedish movie from like the sixties or something. But that's exactly what it is. Like, mm-hmm. you, and it, obviously in reference to Revelation, but like you'd imagine that, and the imagery is really powerful. It's like mm-hmm. a knight, you know, the 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 symbol of justice and, mm-hmm. and valor and virtue and nobility and also power. Mm-hmm against Satan, you know, who is like the inverse of those things. And you'd imagine it'd be a big battle, but it's like a movie where they converse over a chess match. Yeah. And I think that's so often what our interaction with culture is like and how we can reclaim our witness. It's not an AB. Mm-hmm. Like we have to be thinking four or five steps ahead and we have to realize like Satan's already thinking four or five steps ahead. I actually heard you say once when you were the high school pastor, Satan has a plan for your life. Yeah. Um, that, that comes off of, uh, I think it's Rick Warren, you know, or, oh, wow. but it's like, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Yeah. And I just thought like, we so believe that Satan is, is trying to tempt me with, um, pick it pornography today, right? Gambling, alcohol, yeah. you know, X, it, Y, and Z. And that is, although that's true, he is thinking beyond that to where each step of sin sequentially leads. Yeah. Um, so the plan might not be just pornography. It's to blow up your marriage with pornography. Right. And once he blows up your marriage is to lead you to despair and hopelessness so that you leave a church. And then once you leave a church is to find yourself so utterly lost and without community that you look for it anywhere else. You see, like, it's mm-hmm. like, he's always trying to think of how can I put a wedge between you and God in any way possible. And I think the really challenging thing in light of your sermon is what 
things in culture does Satan use to, to drive that wedge? Mm -hmm. Because we're saying, you know, these things exist and they're real, but also like, don't be afraid of Halloween. And so I'm wondering like what the balance is. Like, what would you say to someone who's like, okay, but I am afraid of that wedge. I am afraid of the wedge that Satan is trying to draw or like the step that he's put me in now, or, or, you know, what, what would you say to them? Well, I would say this, um, the issue of Halloween is not an issue of right or wrong. It's an issue of wise or unwise. Meaning that if you celebrate Halloween, I don't think you're sinning, you know, but there may be a level of engagement with it where you say, is this wise Mm -hmm. for me to be doing this? It might be fun to watch a scary movie, you know, that's not a sin, but then you could watch some of these movies, you know, really dark where you say, is this wise? Is this actually good for me or not? And so I think that is the thing that we always seem to be asking, wise or unwise. Am I the sort of person who can or cannot engage with this in what kind of way? Mm. Um, but but again, I always think it's 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 bigger than how it's bigger. It's, it comes back. I think we talked about it earlier. It's just about fear. It's mm-hmm. like you know, and about the lies that Satan wants to tell us about who we are and who God is, and to fear His power more than we would truly believe that God's is sovereign. Maybe you've already answered this, but I'm wondering, like, in your time in ministry, what does it look like when fear takes over with people? Yeah. You know, ultimately, when when you end up living with a lot of fear, you end up inevitably dealing with a lot of control. You know, fear and control just go together. The more afraid you are, the more that you feel the need to to grab and take control and try to force what you want, force outcomes. Um, and I think living with fear and thus with control is the opposite of, of living and walking by faith. Um, because the more you fear, the more you're control, which means that eventually I think you just become very muted to understanding what the spirit is doing and you're trying to pull everything to where, to where you want it to go. And you've seen people, this is their life. I see it in, I, and I see it in me. Right. I, I see it in me. The more that I become afraid, the more that I, I allow Satan's lies to influence me, the more I feel like it begins to emotionally engage me and I begin to lash out you know, and try to steer things a certain way. So I, I, I don't have to look far at other people because I see it in me. Um, and sometimes it's just needing to speak those lies out loud to someone and say, this is kind of where I'm at to hear and to reorient yourself in a healthier way. Yeah, that's good. And so kind of to land the plane a little bit, um, we did all that stuff with Strobel and we're looking mm-hmm. forward in January to starting the book club and, you know, spiritual formation is kind of on the table for mm-hmm. us. What are some disciplines? You kind of mentioned scripture, but what are some other disciplines like practical? And maybe you're not the guy to ask <laughs> Self, <laughs> self-proclaimed, but I, I, now that I have you here, some spiritual disciplines are some, you know, real formative ways that you can fight against fear in your daily life. Yeah. Um, well, I always go back to scripture. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of mm-hmm. this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, and I think always the best way that we renew our mind is to soak it in scripture. Mm-hmm. It just is. Um, I find that that is the place that grounds me the most. Uh, and so I think that if anybody expects that you're going to, through your own willpower or through your own wisdom, fight back against Satan's uh attacks in your life, the lies he's going to speak to you, you're just not likely to be very successful. That's huge. I just want to stop and say, yeah. go back 30 seconds and listen to that one more time. Yeah. That was good. You, you, I just don't know if you can outflex Satan because I do mm-hmm. think he's truly is an enemy. I think he's an enemy. I do think he has power, but the power is the lie. I think more than, more than he's going to take control. It's that, no, he's going to tell you a lie so that you try to take control. Right. Mm-hmm. 
and that you lead it in places that are opposite of what God, not that he's going to lead you places. I mean, I let me say that again, because I really think that's true. What we tend to think is going to happen is that Satan is going to take control of our lives and take it to where it doesn't want to go. That is not how I usually see Satan working. Instead, he tells you a lie that you believe so that you take your life opposite of where God wants. Mm-hmm. It's the power of the lie that he speaks. Yeah. And we think, no, it's the, it is that he's going to exert his will. No, no, no. It's to pollute our own will and to take our eyes off of God so that we, we willingly take our lives where he doesn't want us to go. And I think the louder that Satan, the Satan's lies are in our life, it's indicative of how lonely we really are because mm-hmm. those lies get amplified in, in, in loneliness and in isolation. And I think that's where sin really thrives. And it's, and I think a huge piece, and I'm going to talk about this with the high schoolers or the um, students tonight, like the idea that we, we deny Jesus's humanity functionally in our life, mm-hmm. that we don't think that Jesus can empathize or sympathize with us. And so mm-hmm. we, we hear a lie of Satan, you know, everything we've kind of been talking about. And we don't think that Jesus can sympathize with us when he literally was in the wilderness doing what we do, which mm-hmm. is, you know, having these quiet conversations, these chess battles with Satan. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I would just point people to just like reflect on the fact that Jesus has been there. Like the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews four fifteen, like Jesus can sympathize with us and he, he leads us with mercy and grace. Mm-hmm. And isn't that what you want to hear? Isn't that what you want to experience in the midst of loneliness, mercy and grace? Yeah. Rather than like, you have to be right about this issue and you have to believe this about this issue. Yeah. Like mercy and grace are the way to go. Yeah. And I think part of it too is, um, it is not up to us to crush the head of Satan. That is mm. the work done by Jesus on the cross. Yeah. It is our job is to resist him. Mm. You don't have to go and destroy him. You have to resist him. And Satan, the scripture says that if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you, right? Yeah. So if you resist him, that's where the victory is. Um, it's entrusting in the work that Jesus has already had done. He's defeated him. He's a defeated enemy. The most he can do to you is lie. Yeah. That's oh, still that's a good. powerful lie, but it's the most they could do. So make sure that you're grounded in the truth. That's good. The most he can do is lie. That's title of app right there. There you go. There you go. You did it. <laughs> um, last thing. And you know, maybe this is not a great way to end it, but this just feels like a really long ad for the book, the screw tape letters. Yeah. So, I mean, that's probably where I'd point a lot of people in this kind of discussion between like dealing with, you know, quote Satan, the Satan in, in the world. Reflect on that book. I know I've read it in high school under your leadership and some other resources maybe about yeah. dealing with the world. Yeah, Screwtape is very good. A Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Um, it's a conversation between an elderly demon. It's it's a fictional book. <laughs> but it's a fictional telling of how, how would a demon actually go about um, trying to speak lies mm-hmm. into the life of a believer. I think that's extremely helpful. Um, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, Hunter. I think I'm looking forward to some of the work that you guys are going to be doing in the new year, going deeper into spiritual formation mm-hmm. and some of the stuff. Because I would tell you, I still feel like I'm kind of a novice in this. Yeah. I still feel like I'm still um, still learning to resist the lies of Satan mm-hmm. um, in my own life, mm-hmm. you know? And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we joked about like, <laughs> the sermon is my therapy. Like part of it is like, I'm, I see these things alive in me. So yeah. um, I'm looking forward to keeping it grow, yeah. keep growing in it. And that's a really good ending point. Like we see these things in us, church leadership, as you're very well aware, listener, as you've been with us, as we've planted a church, you've seen us in very vulnerable, intimate settings that we yep. are human. Uh, and you know, just because we stand up on stage or preach or have degrees doesn't mean that we aren't prone to these things as well. Yeah. So, that we so, don't, that we don't live in right. the battle of, of Satan's lies as well. Yeah. So like a sermon about fear, a podcast about fear and engaging with fear. Like we're not sitting here 
oh, we've we've figured it out. Listen to our wisdom. We're two guys just processing and, and, and verbalizing some of the things that we have felt. No, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, gosh, it, it was probably two, three weeks ago, I think, where I was just telling Melinda, I was like, um, man, this, this is a lot here for the last five minutes of a, of a podcast. But I just was telling like, I wonder if everything that happened at our last church is my fault, mm. right? And just going like, I, I just wonder if it's my fault. I wonder if it's on me, it's on me, it's on me. And like, I was thinking that and feeling that for weeks. But once I said it to her, she's like, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, like yeah. just because it, it, it's it's so much more complicated than that. Yeah. And yet that's exactly what Satan wants to tell me is it's all on you. Mm. It's all on you. So um, these are present realities for all of us yeah. of learning to um, recognize the truth from a lie and, and bring those things to Jesus and and uh, to learn how to resist Satan in, in other ways. Yeah, and that's a great call. Like, resist Satan and hopefully mm-hmm. from you. Yeah. That's good. Well, Sean, thanks for being vulnerable and open on the podcast. Yeah. If you made it this far, there was, a, made, oh, there was some uh, personal vulnerability from Sean in the last People listen, and, and I love that. I love that people listen. And um, thanks for listening. Thanks for another... Uh, Another good week here. Sean, again, thanks for talking. Great sermon. If you haven't listened to Sean's sermon, go back and it's on the podcast or the sermon feed, sermon podcast feed. It's on there from Halloween. What was it called? Light and Life? Yeah. Um, light. <laughs> Something like that. You know, we don't need yeah, to. Yeah, right. It was it's clever and Halloween. Yeah, right. It's from Halloween. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I, our hearts are light with light. Light with light. That's good. That's some wordplay. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see you next week and every week after that.